Welcome to the Insider Outsider Podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders around the globe about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WMFDP and FDP Global specialize in helping insiders understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders, as well as outsiders, in partnering and building inclusive teams and organizations. I'm your host, Michael Welp, co-founder of the diversity and inclusion leadership development firm WMFDP and FDP Global, also a TEDx presenter and author of the book, Four Days to Change. Welcome to another episode of the Insider Outsider podcast. Today we have three leaders from BAE Systems. We have Valerie Hunter, who's a IS, INS VP of HR and Admin, and John Dorn, who's IS and INS VP of Business Development and Strategic Planning, and then also Ben Nace, who's a HR business partner with Combat Mission Systems. So welcome all three of you. Thanks for joining today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. So you all have been in separate different learning labs, the WMFDP Full Partners Lab or the Whiteman's Caucus. Uh, Valerie, you were um, October 2018, and John, you were um, September uh, 2019. And Ben, it sounds like you started in 2018 with the Full Partner Lab and also have been in two of the Whiteman's Caucus's programs. So um, want to just invite, you know, this is an open conversation, but you can each take a, a, a minute to share kind of what was your experience that you remember most when you went through your four-day learning lab? What were like the awakenings or the ahas? And, um, you know, how particularly, if there's any particular way you noticed how they impacted your leadership as you came back? Who wants to start? Yeah, so so Michael, uh, the 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 thing that we had to do was all the pre-reading before. Mm. And one of the topics in the pre-read was all about white privilege. And from my background of somebody that had worked really hard to get through engineering school and somebody that had worked very, very hard to hone their selling craft and take risks in my career, I was really pretty much put off by this article saying that it was, it was pretty much given to me. And the experience of going through the lab with other white males that shared that same viewpoint and then had the realization that we didn't have the same headwinds that other races, genders, or sexual orientation had that, that we had was really like a, a, a ton of bricks hitting you in the head going, yeah, you, you worked hard, but just think what it would have been like if you had to overcome those barriers as well. So mm-hmm. that was something for me. Uh, and it was in the lab itself where you could be honest and share those, those thoughts. Thanks, John. I noticed the, the sort of metaphor of the pre-reading of, you know, it was suggested that it was all given to me. And then the metaphor you got in the session itself was headwind, tailwind. I still had to work hard and I didn't have to navigate some of the winds that others are navigating. Uh, that's sort of both and this layer of complexities. Did, did knowing that help you um, in your partnerships back at work? Knowing about the headwinds, tailwinds? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the other big uh, realization for me, and, and I wrote an article in my LinkedIn about this, which was, I didn't look at race, I treated everybody in the work environment as white males. Mm. And so, you know, the lab really opened my eyes up to actually even engaging in those kinds of discussions within the workplace. And, uh, you know, I, I the, the funny story is I have a colleague uh, who I've worked with for 15 years and she's phenomenal and does great job in helping us to put together our bids for our customers. And I just shared with her, I said, Hey, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, you're a woman working with me. And she goes, it's about time you acknowledge that I was a woman. So, so, you know, those, those levels of discussion, I never had in, in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it was very eye opening for me. Yeah. So I'd gone from a gender blind kind of interaction to, hey, we can name this difference and talk about how it impacts our partnership. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Valerie, how about you? Your experience of what you remember from the lab? I, I would say that the biggest, probably the biggest aha for me, uh, just being, you know, a black woman um, and, you know, working you know, in this, this corporate environment or, or some other corporate environment for many years, when I went to the lab and there were individuals from my company as well as other companies across the U.S., just the differences in our baseline and our perceptions. There, there are certain things that you, you know, you think that others realize or that are a given. And when we really got together as a group, I remember thinking, uh-oh, we're way off in terms of how we baseline experiences. Some of the things that, you know, I have taken for granted that individuals realize as the experiences of, you know, women or, um, you know, African-Americans or, or Blacks, some, some, that we just weren't there to start. So, you know, that was that was my initial takeaway. And, and to be honest, it made me a bit nervous because it's hard if you have such different perspectives and you're not baselining. Um, how do you how do you go forward? So uh, that that was my initial reaction over time that evolved. And, and I can certainly say after the three and a half days that we spent together, um, there was a lot of progress. But that that took that was pretty intense and it took a lot of work. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, um, you're operating in different universes with different dynamics, not even realizing how different people are experiencing the world, I'd imagine. I think we use planets. Planets, <laughs> different planets. <laughs> yeah. Literally, we describe the planets. We're, we're on totally different planets. And the, the things you take for granted every every day are much different than than what I have experienced. So that I say that was my biggest takeaway mm. and aha initially. Yeah, I don't you know you may or may not have this, but I'm wondering if there's a particular example of that, what that different planet looked like. Um whether it came up there or comes up to your mind now. You know, there was a there was a one conversation in which um an individual brought up um, education and family systems and family values 
And, you know, it cut, cut to the core because the individual was questioning, well, why, why are black males not as productive in, in you know, this way and in the, in the workforce and just did not comprehend that there are certain obstacles that you will never, ever understand or experience that, that a, a black male has to go through in, in corporate America. And so, you know, this, this cuts deep, it goes deep. It didn't start yesterday, last year or 10 years. You know, this, you know, we're, we're addressing issues that are systemic and they have been embedded in our society for centuries, which has impacted the ability to get education, which has impacted the ability to work where you work. Um, all of those lead up to where we are now. So when this individual came to the session is it just very simply, well, I don't know why, you know, black men seem to have a challenge with this. It, it, it really cut to the core. And that's, that's an example of what I meant where we, we just didn't have the same baseline. Like, do you, do you not know, do you not know, even if you don't know my history, do not, you not know your history. Mm -hmm. It's all interrelated. Absolutely. And, and the white male culture, what we call that is future focused. So it's like negates the past. It's like, why aren't we all just working on this together as opposed to what's the cumulative nature of all these dynamics that have happened in our country and worldwide over time that have built these challenges in different planets that we're dealing with. So thank you for that example. Ben, how about you? When you've had numerous times in different versions of the mixed group and the Whiteman's Caucus, too. Yeah, I, I definitely would say I've had an interesting learning journey. So it, it started back in 2018 uh, in the summer uh, up in Wisconsin. Uh, so a couple of my colleagues and I went to an open session. Um, and it was funny because a, a few people at that time in our organization started going through the Full Diversity Partners Lab. And uh, a business partner or now an HR director within our organization texted me before we left. And he said, hey, on Friday when you're done, call me and let's talk through it. And he goes, I'm here to listen if you need to. And I'm sitting there going to myself going, what did I just get myself into? Uh, and what kind of training is this going to be? Well, about the first night into that session, I think we did what you call a privilege walk. And I said, okay, this is, this is the real stuff. This is us getting into it. Um, and, you know, over the course of that period, I, I would definitely say the Full Diversity Partners Lab was my awakening moment. Um, definitely made me open my eyes and understand that there's a lot of things that I don't know as a white male based on my experience in this world. Um, and I left. I mean, that experience was, I, I mean, I, I don't want to overestimate this, but to me, it was life changing. I think it just opened a completely different perspective within me. Um, and, you know, in the middle of that caucus, there was an aha moment that I had that we were doing one of the in and out circles. And I broke down in tears. Like I, I was crying because I just felt the weight of the, the complete you know, my life and my experiences and some of the stuff that I was going through and I was unaware of. So to me, that just, you know, awakens me and energized me to do a lot of the work. And luckily enough, I've, I've been uh, fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go to a couple white man's caucuses as follow-up as part of my uh, role as the vital program manager within VA systems. And 
I found it just as validating to go through that experience because I think there was a lot of things as a white male in the full diversity partners lab that I didn't know about. But it also, when I went through a white man's caucus, I continued to learn, but it also was really helpful to have other white men um, be emotional, show, you know, courage, vulnerability. That's something as a white male, I never saw growing up. Um, So it was just a very validating moment. And it's my takeaway from that was I have to learn more about myself along with learning about others. I didn't know much about my group in my many years of being alive on this earth. Like I had no idea anything about my group and it's really just continued to spur, you know, uh, an energy to continue to learn and do the work. Mm. So Ben, when you talk about that caucus, those caucus experiences and, and um, the vulnerability amongst men, a white men that to me, that's like a, um, I mean, some people look at it and say, Oh, you, the caucus, you know, that must break people down and get, you know, you talked about being in tears, but um, it's, it's a, it's actually a very safe experience. And actually we step out of our shell and talk about some ways, the loneliness that we can feel in the rugged individualist culture, the disconnect from our hearts because we're focused on fixing and problem solving. I mean, it's a liberating experience in my experience. And you, it sounds like you, it was, it was a liberating for you to experience white men freeing some of their other parts of humanity that aren't emphasized by the culture, but also in yourself. I mean, how did it, how did it change you or bring out parts of you or revalidate maybe parts of you that you didn't always feel um, were okay to have in the corporate culture, perhaps? I mean, what you just described is exactly what I I think I felt. And, you know, for me, I was, you know, I'm a little bit earlier in my career. And most of the time, as I went through the white men's caucuses, these are more senior leaders. I mean, these are people that are four or five levels higher than me in the organization. And I'm looking up now and saying, I have a new framework of what a leader is in our organization. Um, And to me, liberating was probably the best word to use, because for me, I've always been conditions is probably the best word to say, I need to be stoic, I need to be good at my job, and I don't need to indulge in people's relationships or anything about their personal life. To me, that completely changed. Um, I'm definitely think, you know, lead with the heart more than with the head at times, um, and definitely need to engage in a lot more difficult conversations or different conversations than I was having. But to me, it just opened up a completely new lane of what a leader was. To me, so it's it's definitely given me a new framework. Mm. Um, Valerie and John, what's it like to hear Ben talk about his learning journey and how it impacted him personally around his leadership? Anything strike you? How real it is, how it's it's bringing bringing his his whole being to the to the comment. I think to me. Mm-hmm. more permission to bring more of himself out as a human, as a leader, which I think inspires others to feel free to do that too, to bring more of yourself. Cause you know, there's this, there's this old myth about diversity that others gain and white men lose. And I think what you're describing here, Ben, is this pattern of everybody wins. We're making this more of an inclusive place for women, for, um, 
men and women of color, but also white guys, we, we get to show up differently and bring more inclusion of other parts of ourselves too, which creates a more um, presence, a balanced presence of head and heart. Anything strike you, Valerie? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm really encouraged to hear Ben share that, you know, he's experienced this as someone, you know, more junior or what several layers, however, however you want to describe it, that he's having that dialogue with more senior counterparts across the organization. You know, sometimes it takes just pulling the pieces together and different experiences in order to really acknowledge what's happening and also to look at, you know, what, you know, what, what can we do? So just pulling those pieces together, you know, I've, that strikes me as something that needs to happen more. Often we get into our, our our bubbles, which takes in a whole different meaning now with COVID. But we surround ourselves with people who are, you know, you know, went to school with us or they're in our department or or they are, you know, close to us and we, we have similarities and we think alike. But when I hear Ben, uh, I'm glad to hear that we're cutting through some of that. Because that, to me, that's where our future and that's where the solutions are. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So wondering what, after your labs, since you've been back in the organization, how has it helped you have conversations that you may not have had before? And John, you alluded to one with a woman colleague where you said, I'm, you know, just acknowledging that you're a woman and I'm you know, we're in that kind of, that's part of our partnership. And she was thrilled. <laughs> I mean, what, did that lead to any insights or shift in your partnership together? Or is there, what, what ways have you all brought this awareness of different partnerships and different, uh, the headwind tailwind concept, the living in different planets, understanding each other's different experiences in the world, bringing more of your head and heart. I mean, how has that impacted your partnerships at work? I can go first and, and you know for me um I feel like I'm one a better teammate um because after going through the lab experience for me it just gave me a different framework that I could think and see things differently so I could understand if there was something going on within a team dynamic or you were in a situation where maybe the you're in a room full of men and a woman is getting spoken over. And at, you know, before the lab, I probably wouldn't have saw that. Um, so I've had multiple instances like that, where I, you know, have kind of stopped the conversation and say like, well, didn't you just hear what they said? Um, or, you know, afterwards, I kind of noticed a little bit of the different dynamics and I say, it must be hard being in a room full of men and you're having to always try to bring your perspective and it's, it's got to be tough. Um, and, you know, I've been met a couple of times with just tears of just the acknowledgement that someone saw the dynamic that was going on in place. And I think it just makes you a better teammate, a better boss, a better leader just because they, they see that you're seeing what is out there and that you care. And I think that's really the big takeaway is it gives you a framework to be able to see stuff differently. Mm. 
That's yeah, great. And I, and I, I don't, I, I would have to echo much of what, what Ben stated again, from my perspective of having, um, just, just being able to see things from a different perspective. Uh, it's been very interesting because I've been able to, there, there are several individuals, individuals, several leaders who have already gone through uh, vital and then there are those who haven't. And it's been very interesting to see those who have attended, how they have, you know, talked about sort of the toolkit that they now have to approach those discussions that were previously taboo. Often there's a, you know, there's a discomfort of what, what can I say, or can I even bring this up at work? So again, over this sort of two year period, it's been great to see, especially those who have attended and have been able to port their knowledge to those who haven't without them knowing that this is something that they gained uh, from vital. Um, So I, I, I mean, that's been a, good thing for it's been insightful for me and it's been insightful to have and and i'll just add i mean back into the to the management side of this there have been issues where people that i work with are intimidated to bring up views because of their race gender positioning and talking through that and coming up with with solutions to that have been pretty enlightening and to actually have the dialogue that's the you know the, the thing that that i'm more energized as a leader is those uncomfortable conversations we're actually having those conversations and we're both learning the partnership is learning and you know maybe piggybacking on what Val said, you know, this awareness that we've gained by going through this training, I want others to have that so I can have that dialogue with them. And and if somebody like another white male colleague hasn't gone through the, the training and I start to engage in, in this discussion, it's very interesting to see the reactions. It's almost like the first day of the lab where, you know, people were guarded and, and, and people were not bringing their whole self to it or using, you know, stereotypes or, or analogies that, that had nothing to do with getting to know the individuals. So I I resonate with what, what Val said about, you know, people that have gone through the training and then other people that haven't gone through it. Yeah. It sounds like you can recognize there's a toolkit on awareness or a curiosity uh, way of engaging that's different. Um, Valerie, I think your last sentence got cut off from the audio. Was there more you were saying? No, I'm sorry. I forgot that sentence, but no, I think we've captured it but, um, mm-hmm. between my initial sentences and, and John. Yeah, sorry so if I, if it hits me out. No, I'm, I'm hearing, um, you know, there's a new common language. There's kind of a toolkit people have been given to lean into the tough conversations rather than lean away from them. And maybe there's more courage, like Ben, you're talking about, to interrupt things that you see, a framework for seeing things that you didn't necessarily see before. And, yeah, that's a, that's a lot. That's a good aspect of, you know, I'm wondering how has all that, how has your experience 
How's it showing up today in terms of this wild year of COVID, of the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, so many others, Armand Arbery and the Black Lives Motor protests and the, there's been a lot going on this year where, you know, probably gives your um, learning, lab learning a whole nother uh, grounding in, in reality today. Um, I'm just curious, what is all that like for you all this year? Um, and how has that at all shown up in the workplace and, and dialogues or desires to create more change at BAE? I know it's a broad question. Sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll go, I'll go on the, you know, you know, head and heart type of thing. I think engaging it with the heart and having a common place with people and their frustrations and dealing with, you know, virtual work. I mean, nobody in, in, in my organization thought, we would be doing virtual work as long as we have or until, you know, next calendar year, which is pretty much the decision that we've done in our sector. And, and so making it safe to lead with your heart as a leader and just check in with people and be in the moment with them and, and also not just grilling them, not being the inquisition, but also saying, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm concerned about this too. I, I feel, today I feel like it's Groundhog Day. I'm wearing the same pair of sneakers I've worn for the last week. Uh, and so you add that with the other part where I think people have a lot more time to think. I think there's a lot more thinking time that's going on now. And so you know, engaging in a dialogue about Breonna Taylor and George Floyd has been another thing that I think, uh, at least in my circle, people have appreciated because everybody's thinking about it, but now we're making it okay. And, and Michael, like you said, with when the leader kind of sets the precedent and makes it okay to talk about feelings, uh, that changes the dynamic. So, you know, that, that would be what I would add. So there are, for you, John, more conversations are in the workplace around some of that stuff where you're checking in with people. How are they doing? And they're actually sharing what's real for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd add one thing that I, I really appreciated um, was that this experience in the lab, it helped both myself as well as other colleagues with all different types of backgrounds and it's funny how we've, many of us have, have continued to stay in contact. It's helped us to have those conversations uh, in the moment rather than waiting until something traumatic happens on the news. Uh, those conversations have been occurring. You, we've been having genuine dialogue, I think at all levels. So when you have a George Floyd, a Breonna Taylor, when, whenever you have this, having that, you're not starting from, from like, the starting gate. You already have some type of um, fundamental trust. Uh, there's the dialogue. There, there's something to be said about when this happens and then out of nowhere, an employee is approached, you know, or you try to have that dialogue. It's uncomfortable. So getting, getting a start to it 
and keeping your foot on the gas and, and having the conversations when there, there are smaller things to happen, not just bigger things, that helps the, the dynamic. It helps the relationship versus, um, you know, touch and go when things happen on the news. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. That sounds great. To I would not wait till the big crisis is. Ben, go ahead. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I would add, I mean, 2020, I think if you talk to anybody, it's probably been one of the more challenging years in anyone's career and, and for most of our lifetimes. I mean, for me, it's been a year of great change. Um, I transitioned in my career uh, from working full-time in diversity inclusion to being an HR business partner. Um, and I moved from uh, the Washington, D.C. area, and I moved, I lived most of my life in the Northeast down to the Deep South. I'm in the uh, on the border of South Carolina and Georgia. Um, so as the racial injustice has really um, started, I think this lab opens my eyes before that, that there was problems, but I think you could now see them so much more clearly. Um, and for me, you know, just I'll share an instance that, you know, as an organization, I think as Val alluded to, we've been having these conversations uh, in our organization for years now. Um, and I'm really proud of that work and our ERGs are really leading the efforts on some of these hard conversations, but they held a town hall just about collecting together and, and knowing what's going on about the experiences. And I, I gathered in my location with a room and I was the only white person in the room, uh, which is often not the case um, in most organizations. And to sit through that to be honest, is one of the more hard things I've done in my life. Um, mm. The pain that people expressed of just the situation of daily lived experiences was, I mean, I have goosebumps right now, just still thinking about it. I mean, it, it's so difficult to hear that. And as, you know, a leader in the organization or as a business partner, whatever your role, it, it's, it's hard to hear that your employees are having a hard time. Um, and it, it just really was an eye-opening experience. I, I mean, it's something I think about every day um, in my job. But I think, you know, as an organization, we've been prepared to have these difficult conversations. But, you know, it's something that before this lab, I wouldn't have probably sat in that room. Or if I did, I, I don't know if I would have led empathetically or had that conversation or felt comfortable doing that. So it's been a really, you know, good and eye-opening experience. Yeah. What do you think helped you, Ben, stay in that room and be in a different listening place? I mean, a lot of white guys beforehand would see through the individual lens and think that difficulties were put on them, that they that you were the cause or you're the problem as the white guy in the room. And I'm, one of the things we learn is to differentiate when people are talking about their experiences across race, not to take everything personally at the individual level and I don't know if that was helpful or what shifted you to be in that empathy place without being defensive or. Yeah. And I think, you know, we call it a learning journey for a reason. I don't think I would have been after my first lab able to sit through that conversation. I don't think I would have been equipped. I mean, I went through a lab over two years ago um, and I've had a lot of conversations between here and there. And I think, you know, each conversation, it's helped open 
me up to be more comfortable with the uncomfortable. Um, and I don't think I probably could have done it right away, but I've done, you know, multiple conversations. And I've also talked to other white men after those conversations to say, oh man, that was rough. Like, what is going on? Like, did you have a similar conversation and bouncing ideas off each other just because, you know, we do talk about that individual versus group dynamic. Um, so I, I definitely think it's something that can be learned over time, but it does take some practice and, and does take, you know, sometimes feeling like you messed up a conversation, but knowing that it will get better over time. Having, well, having heard Ben, those pretty precious stories in that, in that room where you're the only white person, what do you want to say to other white leaders in the organization having been impacted by those stories? My humorous thing to say to them is wake up. Uh, but my my serious thing is I, I think we have to start leading with our heart, not our heads. I think as white individuals, we are definitely told from our upbringing to be stoic, to be leading with your head, always think about the numbers. And I think oftentimes we think it's going to take away from the business. But if I think if your employees are in, in pain or, or going through a difficult time, it, it's going to, you know, affect your business one way or the other. So I think it's really about starting with your heart and listening to your employees and, and being comfortable with some of the difficulties you might hear in those conversations or some of the troubles that you might hear. But just being open to, to listening and, and uh, mm. acting maybe later. Mm. Let your head and heart be impacted. Yeah. John, what's your, you're, you, you mentioned earlier, we were talking a little bit before about, this is also about performance. How do you connect what um, Ben just shared as, you know, to this concept of this is all about impacting the business in a positive way too, not just feeling good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that people on a team, if they're distracted because of other issues, or, or the thing that we hear a lot is they can't bring their whole self to work. They don't feel like they're heard. You know, those, those are elements where I think going through a little of this leading with the heart and getting those issues out on the table and, and acknowledging them as, as real elements of the individual, uh, you get through that and now people can come together and, and you use the word, you know, increased partnership or a more validated partnership. I think that's what I'm witnessing, at least in my teams, is the cohesiveness that comes after after being real. And and when we did workshops, actually, we did a uh, workshop within our company. And the surprising thing for some of the candidates that shared their very painful stories was they wanted people to know about it because they want BAE Systems to be a better organization. And that, that also impressed me. That, that impressed me that, that people that are going through this pain, you know, they could just quit the company. They could just leave. But some of them want to make BAE a better place and a more inclusive place. And to me, that's pretty inspiring. That, that's where I think we can get a lot of energy because we're, we're putting this, this practice of 
meeting individuals and and overcoming obstacles kind of together. And and to me, again, I think it's just really impactful for the business. Mm. Yeah, Valerie, what, what do you what are you noticing in yourself as you hear Ben and and, and John talk? Or also, what what are you wanting from other white leaders who are your colleagues or white male leaders, your colleagues to <clears throat> in these times? What do you hope for amongst them in their learning? Well, I mean, I guess what I would say is that although our, you know, our backgrounds may be different and our genders are different and our, you know, ethnicities maybe are different, uh, we all play a part in this journey. And it's sort of like a, you know, a choir, you know, you, you all have a part and if it, and it, when it works, it comes together beautifully. And you have, you have a very important voice as a champion for diversity. Um, I can only reflect on my experiences, you know, which were, I'd say, especially different, difficult. When I was in my 20s and my, my 30s, I didn't have a senior title. I wasn't born with manager or director or vice president. And you really get to see the true colors of people, like literally and figuratively. And what I can, what I'm very grateful for are there have been champions in my career, like that didn't look like me and just took an interest in making sure that I felt my, my voice was heard, uh, that I got to experience certain meetings uh, and, you know, certain training opportunities that they took an interest and they helped me during that, you know, during my journey. So, and they made a difference and it wasn't because of some public event. It was genuine, a genuine interest to help, you know, someone who they thought had potential. So everyone plays a role and, you know, just having, you know, even just taking one person under your wing and, and helping them or listening to them, or as Ben mentioned, when you see them being interrupted or, or not having a voice to help them to find their voice. I think that's what I want to get out. Mm. That's great. Yeah, and I think the, so there's special things that um, white men or white folks can do with people of colors, seeing, caring, extending, and there's stuff that we as white men can do with each other around our educating each other around our blind spots so that the burden isn't on others to have to carry that educational role or on intervening like you did, Ben, with microaggressions, if somebody's talked over or not heard. Um, but stepping outside of our norm of our culture of focusing on doing fixing action and actually showing care, inquiry, connecting, and it doesn't have to take forever. A little bit can really go a long way. Um, what other advice do either any of you have around on this inclusion journey or partnerships um, for others who might be listening to this podcast in our last 10 minutes or so. Anybody? I, guess I, I would say, I would say, don't give up. Don't give up. This, this didn't start yesterday. It's not going to end yesterday. There's no silver bullet. There's nothing that's going to, you know, immediately fix all of the ills of the world. And honestly, it's just, you have to put one foot in front of the other one step at a time. And, and celebrate the small victories and successes that you have 
and just acknowledge there will be setbacks. You're going to, there are days when you're going to be very frustrated and there are days where you, you hopefully will be able to celebrate small victories. And so I would encourage each one, each person to just celebrate the victory and, and just, you know, keep, keep this, keep it going. Um, because that's, it's going to take a while to get, you know, where we, we need to get in terms of, um, partners. Uh, yeah, being in it for the long haul. And I would say to that too, Valerie, it's like, if I make a mistake, don't quit, keep going. It's like, I'm um, just like learning to ski. I should expect to fall down sometimes. And do I have colleagues right. like you that I can call up and say, that thing I just did didn't go well, <laughs> you know, and encourage each other to keep going. What else? Other advice? Thoughts, suggestions to those listening ears out there around their journeys? Uh, don't try to be perfect. Just don't jump in. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, part of this is, you know, when you're real, you're not, you don't always have the right words. And, and just jump into it. And it, it's almost like it makes you more real by just not being so polished too, I think, uh, because people know that you're, you're trying to find words that match your heart. And sometimes that's diff that's difficult to do. Mm. That's great. Slow down permission to be human and yeah, perfect job of being imperfect. (laughs) Somebody once said, and I'm, I'm particularly uh, proud of uh, recently your senior leadership team just spent like seven, three or four hour sessions on these topics, a foundational setting, a deeper dive separately on gender and together discussing gender amongst themselves and then on race and then a deeper listening uh, with the African-American ERG session and a sexual and sexual orientation gender identity, and some more on action planning. And that's a lot of time and commitment, seven, three or four hour sessions. And I think that's another tip is got to give it time. Yeah. Anything else, Ben, you'd say in terms of advice or suggestions? Just Yeah, I mean, I think John and Val hit a lot of the same things I'd say. I mean, Based on, you know, I did a lot with the organization and, and leading a lot of our program internally vital um, and had a lot of conversations with the men and women who went through that program. Um, and, and, you know, I think the anything else I'd pass along is take the time, take the time to have the conversation. I think um, at times business feels like it has to be priority, but if you take the time, I think it makes it all worth it to have people, you know, feel included, make them feel seen, make them feel heard in the organization. Because at the end of the day, it goes back to John's point. It, it's about the performance of the organization and the people. And if we're, we're leading with a caring heart, I think it really helps move the organization forward. So sometimes the conversations aren't, you know, quick ones. They're, they're not, they take a lot of energy too at times, but it's definitely worth it to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the values of that, too, as, you know, Valerie, you talked about your initial lab experience where people were discovering they were on different planets. 
they were in different reality experiences in the world was like, how can you create spaces in the workplace where that can be discovered too? So it's not just like you got to go off and have a four-day experience, which not everybody in the organization is going to have. But how can you create a space where people are hearing each other's realities, especially in these times? How does the death of George Floyd, how does the protests impact you? And what, what, how, does, how does what's happening in our world create an opportunity to um, see outside my bubble in terms of what people's realities are? And um, I'm hearing some of the keys for that is to slow down, give space for head and heart. I think it's also about framing the conversation for understanding versus agreement or action. So there's just space to dialogue and not some pressure to create agreement or action steps, but that that's a goal in of itself um, is to do that. And I'd also add respect because this is such a hard conversation and things can get so contentious and, you know, go off the rails so easily. Just having a, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to disagree and, the conversation will be hard, but just, you know, respect because we're all human. We're all people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I read once that the word respect literally means the willingness to look again. And so to not make quick judgments on each other, but to stay with curiosity, inquiry, and listen for the wisdom in each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, One way to think about this, diversity is a problem. How do we solve this as quick as possible and move on? It's going to be like safety and quality. It's never going to be done. We always have to focus on it. And so how about using it as a muscle building, skill building, leadership skill building opportunity? So yeah, if we can learn to have these difficult conversations and grow empathy, grow the under sitting with complexity and messiness around this topic, we can leverage that, those skills we grow towards any complex business topic too. That's beyond diversity in itself. Just, you know, any messy diversity, to, I mean, any messy diver- business issue is, uh, can then be using these skills that we've grown. So it's a great opportunity for that. Any last words, anybody? Thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm, I just want to be, I'm grateful that BAE invested this money and allowed me to have this learning. So, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a gratitude and a thankfulness that, that, you know, I love to learn and the fact that the company was willing to send me to this. And I, and I also got to say the, uh, the white men's uh, diversity caucus uh, is always a good party, uh, party conversation piece because, you know, when you say what, and, and it, it, it helps you to maybe even bridge the gap in social circles too. So um, I really like the branding that you guys have done. Mm. Is there, and, and, and I would say Ben and, and John, is there any way your learning from your caucus actually helps you in your personal relationships too outside of work? Ways you may not have expected. Yeah. I mean, for me, it, it definitely did. Um, you know, I, I will say, you know, I, I didn't have a great relationship with my brother before probably going through that. And I had an experience in the lab that really reshaped 
what, how I thought about that relationship. And, you know, I, I went home and, and wrote a letter to my brother, um, after that experience. And, you know, ever since then, I feel like we we're more connected, um, and, and definitely mending that relationship that wasn't necessarily broken, but just wasn't really as strong as it could be. And it made me realize you shouldn't take relationships that are strong for granted. Um, so it really just, I mean, it, it definitely impacts both work and at home. I think it's been a very valuable experience just to, you know, be able to connect on different levels. I mean, for, for me, it's all about connecting with the heart again. And whether that's at work or outside of work, it's definitely helped me immensely. Mm. Yeah, Michael, my wife of 30 years said, I told you all that stuff, but you didn't listen. And you had to go to a you had to go to a seminar to, for me to tell you all that. So so yeah, it, it 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 gives you another, you know, again, awareness, you know, mm-hmm. reconnecting with partners, you know, having real, you know, being in the moment with them, not dismissing things, listening better. I think, you know, the biggest mm-hmm. and we can all get or at least uh have a journey of learning. But for me, learn, uh, you know, listening is one of the things that's, that I have to continue to work on. And again, it was just a reminder of that. So, yeah, so, um, I think she'll stay with me at least another year or two. So. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> another side outcome of the caucus, maybe. <laughs> but that concept that some, you know, some people think others gain and white guys lose. There's so much here for white folks and white men to gain from this process of engaging in diversity partnerships and learning. And that's, and I assume Valerie, there may have been some benefits for you outside of work too, from your lab learning, perhaps. Absolutely. And, and I think I, I alluded to those earlier and just having an understanding of where other people are coming from. Everyone doesn't have the Val Hunter background or experience and just taking time to, to stop and to hear that, as well as how to have that conversation and how to facilitate the conversation and help my peers do the same is something that I've been able to take away from, from my experience. Awesome. Well, we're, we're rapidly have come to the end of our time here. And I just really appreciate Valerie, John, and Ben, all three of you sharing both your head and your heart in terms of how your journey has been and how it's been impacted by the four day labs and other parts of your journey. So I feel lucky to, to get, get to chat with you all. Just appreciate your time here. Thank you. Well, thank you. That. Thank you for listening to the Insider Outsider podcast, where we have courageous conversations with business leaders about what it means to be an insider or an outsider in their organizations. We at WFTP and FTP Global specialize in getting insiders to understand their unique responsibility to engage other insiders as well as outsiders in building inclusive teams and organizations. Our work takes us around the globe, transforming people and companies towards a more inclusive world. For the show notes about this podcast and more about the work of WMFDP and FTP Global, visit WMFDP.com slash podcast.